Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. To find out more about Dream Talk Radio, visit my website at anhill.org. That's A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L dot org. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. This is Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and today I'm talking with Jennifer Shannon, who is a cognitive behavioral therapist in Santa Rosa. And Jennifer practices at the Santa Rosa Center for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and the website is srcbt.org. And we're going to talk some about insomnia, mostly, and anxiety and the various things that, that, make, ins- that make occasional insomnia turn into a, a more of a, a systemic problem in people's lives. So, Jennifer, yeah. thank you so much for talking with yeah, me today. happy to be here and talk with you about insomnia. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned you've had some experience with insomnia? I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had, in fact, after my first son was born, I think I've always was a fragile sleeper, even as a kid. I had a lot of problems falling asleep and staying asleep and had nightmares. And um, and then as I grew up, it was, you know, got better. But then after my first son was born, um, I started having problems with insomnia, I felt like I always had to be on in case he woke up or in case, you know, and then it became more of a chronic problem and actually lasted about 15 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and um, and really turned around when I started working more with cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, and, um, and that's what I'll be talking about today yeah. is just how to use a, a cognitive behavioral approach to, to treat insomnia. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe first we can talk about what is a, a sort of a normal, I mean, not normal, but, you, mm-hmm. you know, the incidental insomnia that right. just about everybody experiences. What what right. does that look like in your experience? Yeah, I mean, really, as adults, I think everybody's probably experienced some periods, if it could be three days or a couple weeks of having insomnia. Um, and basically, I mean, there's three different types of insomnia where it could be difficulty falling asleep, so sleep onset insomnia. Um, difficulty staying asleep, so you wake up in the middle of the night for a period of time, you know, probably more than 30 minutes and 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. You wake up really early in the morning, can't fall asleep. And then the third type is just sort of more inefficient, not inefficient sleep, but it's it's poor sleep quality. Like you're mm-hmm. sleeping, but you don't feel rested in the yeah. morning. So when things happen in our lives, like um, it could be something good that's happening, like a a new job that you're excited about or moving across country or a vacation, and that can affect your sleep. So people might notice that when they're kind of excited about something, they have trouble falling asleep or they wake up a lot thinking about it. When they worry, when there's stressors that happen um, with, you know, right now there's a lot of stress around the economy and so Mm -hmm. people having hours cut back or potentially losing their job or losing a job and then worrying about that and then that can cause insomnia for periods of time. Um, So illnesses can cause, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have, um, if you're having surgery or afterwards, if you have pain, that's going to cause or disrupt sleep and all of that would be considered, you know, normal. It's, It's a reaction to what's happening in your life. Yeah. 
So what makes that turn into a sort of a, a the the downward spiral I think of it as exactly. you know I'm not getting poor sleep it, at night and so that yeah. affects my day and exactly. I mean, how do you see when that does it happen? become a chronic problem exactly. yeah and really when it becomes a chronic problem is when you start really worrying about sleep I mean that's a huge uh -huh. component of it when you start dreading going to bed because you're mm -hmm. thinking of your bed as almost a torture chamber Ugh. it's where you're you know you can't sleep or you're waking up a lot or you're ruminating worrying about things and so you're starting to think you start having negative sleep thoughts uh -huh. So thoughts like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. If I can't sleep tonight, I won't be able to function tomorrow. If I can't function tomorrow, I, you know, it just kind of goes on and on. And then it starts becoming more chronic. And then, so the way that you think about it, cognitive behavioral therapy is really about not so much what caused the problem, but what's maintaining the problem. Uh -huh. So if you're having these negative sleep thoughts, that's going to interfere. It's going to make you feel more anxious. Right. So when you go to sleep, if you're feeling more anxious, you're going to be less likely to sleep. And then the behavioral part of cognitive behavioral therapy is you're going to start developing different kinds of behaviors to try mm -hmm. to make up for sleep, like maybe try to go to bed earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, in the long run, that's actually going to make things worse. Or you might start taking a, drinking more at night because right. you think, okay, then I can fall asleep if I drink alcohol. Um, and that's going to disrupt your sleep. Right. Or you try to sleep in, in the morning, which is going to make it harder to sleep, go to sleep the next night. Uh -huh. So there's all sorts of... Um, thoughts and behaviors that people start doing because they're worrying about their sleep that is going to create a chronic problem. Right. So how does cognitive behavioral therapy differ from uh, sort of regular talk therapy or psychotherapy mm -hmm. where you, you talk about your anxiety and uh, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera? What is the, I mean, it sounds like there's overlap. Mm -hmm. How do you see right. the relationship between the two? Yeah, um, well, with cognitive behavioral therapy, it's really working, like I said, on what is maintaining the problem. So, mm -hmm. for example, if you come in and you're having problems with sleep, then we're going to start looking at what are you thinking about when you go to sleep. Uh -huh. um, and having the person start catching their negative sleep thoughts. And, um, and then, so it's very concrete and very skill-based. Mm -hmm. So you're going to look at thoughts, have the person do a lot of homework outside of the sessions, mm -hmm. catching their thoughts, understanding how negative sleep thoughts are going to affect their sleep, um, looking at behaviors, what are they doing behaviorally, mm -hmm. catching those behaviors, and then starting to change those behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's uh, really, I guess I would say it's very kind of present problem focused. Yeah. It's not that we don't think what's happened in the past is really important. Right. That is important. and that got this whole thing going in the first place, but instead of going in the past and resolving, it's like, what can we do now? Uh-huh, right. Sort of a, Which seems like it would appeal to a lot of people who don't necessarily want to, you know, go over for the nth time, Uncle Joe, or, you know, right. all the, or right. my evil grandmother, or, you know, yeah. all that stuff. I mean... Or maybe they've done that, and it was really, in, exactly. it was, they got a lot of insight out of yes. it and understanding, but they're still having the same the, behavioral the problems, problems, or, you know, yeah, yeah or, or emotional problems yeah. that they that they were that that they were having before so yeah you know um, cognitive behavioral therapy has been found to be mm -hmm. very very effective with anxiety disorders mm -hmm. so things like obsessive compulsive disorder which is an anxiety disorder panic attacks panic disorder um, separation anxiety in kids uh, all the different anxiety disorders that there are yeah. and it's also very useful with depression uh-huh 
and um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, that's an anxiety disorder. Oh, so. well, then it is. Well, yeah. Then it's very useful yeah. for so it's 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 called an evidence-based therapy. So it's the research that's done. They they've shown that it really does um, improve symptoms because there's measurable outcomes. Outcomes, which is yes. part of what we do. Like there's good, you know, in the sleep with the insomnia uh, treatment. There's you're actually looking at what their sleep efficiency is at the beginning of when they come in, right. and then we're going to be tracking that weekly to see after, say, 8 to 12 weeks, right. has that improved? Is it measurably improved? Uh -huh. So by sleep efficiency. Right, yeah. right. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about kind of well how Great. I would treat somebody Great. if they're coming in for insomnia. And um, the first thing really that we would start doing is tracking their sleep. Mm -hmm. So they'd start a sleep diary. And by the way, the information that I'm going to be talking about is in a wonderful book. Oh, um, great. That uh, it's saying it's a, a book called Say Goodnight to Insomnia by Greg Jacobs. Oh, okay. And it's just so people can actually, you know, purchase the book and right. it's got a really great self help sleep program in it. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first thing is, is uh, doing a sleep diary. So, actually looking at when, you know, tracking uh, their sleep. When did they get go to bed? When did they turn their lights out? How long did it take them to fall asleep? How many times did they wake up in the middle of the night? Um, when did they? When was their final waking up period? And um, and then looking at how many hours of sleep they got and how many hours they spent in bed, uh, which is sleep efficiency, and I'll talk about in just right. a moment. Um, so then we start doing that, and then um, we do a lot of education about sleep. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, there's basically five stages of sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, and people don't know that. So the first stage is that kind of where you're just starting to your thoughts get a little weird, you yeah. know, as yeah. you're just starting to fall asleep. But you're really more awake than asleep. Mm -hmm. That's stage one. And people just usually spend a, a good sleeper would spend a few moments and a few mm -hmm. minutes in that. Mm -hmm. And then you move into stage two sleep, which is still a very light sleep. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if somebody said, "Are you sleeping?" you might say no, but actually your brain waves are changing. You are sleeping. That's considered true it's considered true sleep I find a lot of naps are like that yes. like I actually don't think I'm sleeping but then somebody comes in and I realize I didn't hear them yes. or something exactly yeah. you're probably in stage two sleep yeah. and stage two sleep is is true sleep mm -hmm. it's significant so your body is resting and your heart rate's changing and uh -huh. your breathing patterns are changing mm -hmm. your muscles are relaxing mm -hmm. blood pressure is going down and then there's stage three and four sleep which is considered true deep sleep uh-huh and this is a very important stage of sleep because in this stage, you're really your body's rejuvenating, mm -hmm. and so um, again, respiration goes down and heart rate goes down, muscles really re relax, and um, that's just a very important stage. People don't do well if they miss that stage. Yes. Then after that, and you spend well anyway. After that is REM sleep, so yeah. um, rapid eye movement sleep, mm -hmm. and that's that dream sleep which you right. know a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that dream sleep, your brainwave actually is very active compared to that stage three, four. Uh -huh. It's um, where your brainwave is really, if they measure it, it gets much slower, slower um, activity there. And, and REM sleep is actually quite active. Uh -huh. And then, um, so those are the, and that's stage five. So those are the stages of sleep. And a healthy sleeper would go through those five stages about five times a night. 
So you spend maybe a few minutes in first stage, maybe, um, uh, how long are these stages? In the second, let's think. Um, maybe 45 minutes in stage two, yeah. and then 45 minutes in that three, four, and then you go into REM sleep, which could be probably around half an hour, and then you come back out into stage two, and then you go through the whole stages again. Uh -huh. So you go through that several times a night. Right. And do the ratios of time in each? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So stage one's maybe five percent, yes. and stage two is the most significant. It's fifty nine percent, which is that lighter sleep. Right. Stage three four is twenty percent, and REM sleep is around twenty five percent. And in the first half of the night, we get more of that stage three four, that deep sleep. Mm -hmm. And then in the second half of the night, we get more of the REM sleep. Or really right. be morning right. you know so so if I were say if I were a new mom and I was mm -hmm. just you know getting into that hyper vigilance and not able to really shut down I might get sleep at it I might just sort of stay at stage two where, you might you know. um, you might although the chances are you would be going into stage three mm -hmm. four it would just you wouldn't be getting you'd be getting much more disrupted sleep the body has an amazing ability like if you become sleep deprived yes you know, like, okay, say you usually spend maybe 20% um, in that state, that deep sleep. Yeah. If your body's deprived, you're going to try to make up the deep sleep. You're, it'll just, it'll force yourself, your body yes. forces itself to make up for that. It'll make up for that more quickly. And then um, you might have more REM sleep or something after mm -hmm. that. So even if you're, that's one of the things when people have insomnia or like waking up a lot, yeah. say with the first baby, mm -hmm. as I did, you know, I did get really worried about my yeah. sleep, which made it a chronic problem. Right. <laughs> um, I was, you know, people get more of what they actually need than they think they're getting. Mm -hmm. So although you would get disrupted sleep, and you, you know, when you get disrupted sleep, the primary problem with that is you feel irritable, right? And your eyes hurt because you just haven't rested as well. Yeah, they haven't gotten all soaked in nice solution, nice yeah, eye solution. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the muscles haven't, you know, had as much time mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. really just loosen and regenerate. Mm -hmm. So the primary um, symptoms that people get are, are that irritability and their mood right. is, you know. Not as good. And so, okay, so if the, going back to the idea of somebody coming in and, and starting a, a sleep diary, mm -hmm. they would basically say, say, I mean, describe their mood on uh, going to sleep or on waking. What? How well, much detail do they... Not not mood so much. It would be more really we're just getting we're data, data, you know, um, about like when they... Now, along with the sleep diary, that's just the data part, that we're also mm -hmm. looking at negative sleep thoughts. Uh -huh. So that part, like okay. catching their negative sleep thoughts, yeah. like things like, I'm not gonna sleep tonight. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. <laughs> yeah, I won't be able to function. Right. Um, all those kinds of things, which of course make us tense. So looking at that, um, and you get, you know, you give overall impressions of how well do you think you slept, uh -huh. that right. kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you rate yourself like on a uh, one to five scale. Five would be excellent. I slept great last uh, night, and one mm. would be it was terrible. And mm. you give yourself a rating, which is partly what we're measuring to see right. people improve. Yeah, it is so rare actually to have a night's sleep where you wake up feeling rejuvenated. Yeah, I mean we get so used to waking up at, by the alarm and just mm. having to rouse ourselves. Right, right. You know? It's true. Yeah, and you know. 
we do we I think we live in stressful times and yeah. so um, and we live in stressful times and we often are more sedentary than we used to be mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. so you know in terms of being outdoors and getting sunlight which all has an effect you know in terms of in terms of sleep yeah. um, one thing I was going to say that when people get into an insomnia cycle you know they feel like everything they attribute in terms of grouchiness or um, you know feeling bad the next day is because they didn't get enough sleep but you know, and that's true. I'm not going to discount that because yeah. it really does make a difference when you get yeah. better sleep. But a lot of it can be just the stress you're experiencing around not sleeping. So if you mm -hmm. say in the morning to yourself, oh, that was horrible. What an awful night. I'm not going to be able to function today. <laughs> Probably not going to feel that right. good. Right. You know, and in fact, sometimes if I really put a rating when I get like eight and a half hours of sleep, which would be huge for me. I, don't, I generally do not get that much uh -huh. sleep. Even uh -huh. now, I'm a much healthier sleeper, but uh -huh. I probably get seven hours of uh -huh. sleep a night. But if I get a lot, to tell you the truth, if I gave a rating to myself, I would probably feel a little more drowsy than I do when I get seven hours of sleep. Uh -huh. So our conceptions or yeah. you know, thoughts about, about it affect how we feel. Yeah. So instead of waking up, uh, we've kind of gone off the, the beaten path. The, yeah, the educated. But, <laughs> but I have one more question. Yeah. So instead of waking up and thinking, oh, this is just great. I can barely see straight. And I have this important meeting at 10 o'clock. Right. You know, I'm doomed. Yes. What would, you, what would you suggest replacing that with? Well, you know, the part of what we do, why we do the education first, yeah. is to understand that, in fact, if people can get five and a half hours of what we consider core sleep, they're going to be able to function as well as in terms of tasks, mm -hmm. problem solving, concentration even, yeah. as somebody who got, which the average I think is seven and a half hours for mm -hmm. an adult. Mm -hmm. So um, so part of the sleep thoughts is if you understand more about your sleep, yeah. then you don't feel as panicky about it. You don't have as many misconceptions about it. That leads to healthier sleep thoughts, uh -huh. more positive sleep thoughts. So, for example, when I was having um, insomnia and started doing the program mm -hmm. and for this, then some of my positive sleep thoughts were, well, I'm going to function as well as somebody who didn't, who got more sleep. The, the areas that I'm going to have problems with, I'll feel more irritable and moody. Uh -huh. and I'm like, okay, so then right. if I had that meeting at 10 o'clock or yeah. something important, I'm probably going to do just as well at it. I just may uh -huh. feel grouchier. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Or I got core sleep. I got five and a half hours of sleep. That's enough to function okay. Uh -huh. um, so that might be an example. Right. And I can make this up on Saturday morning. I don't have to do anything. Well, no. Oh, no. Okay. No, and sleep we'll get education. to that because that would be a problem. Yes, exactly. Right. People who try to make up sleep on the weekends, actually, okay. that's um, that's actually going to, in the short run, it may help. In the long run, run it's actually going to make the problem worse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back a yes. little bit to education. Yes, just so great. one is the five stages. Oh, and with those five stages, yeah. it's been known, they did a, I think it was a Stanford research program, and and that people uh, um, overestimated the time it took them to fall asleep by 30 minutes on 30 minutes on average. Really? And they had these people hooked up to electrodes, right, so right. they could really yeah. tell when the brain waves started sure. changing. So when they, and, and the person reported one, on average one hour less sleep a night that they got that night than the recording, the actual, you know, data showed. Oh, so they're overestimating how long it takes them to fall asleep, underestimating how much sleep they're getting by an hour and a half. 
that's significant. That is. Yeah. That is significant on average. You know, yeah. That's not true sure. with everybody, but that that's right. that was what they found in the study. Mm-hmm. And um, so, okay, so understanding the five stages and that people may be actually underestimating because that first two stages you can mistake that for being awake and actually yeah. your body is getting sleep at that uh-huh. point right um and also obviously when you're awake and you're upset whenever we extend that time it's like the einstein said i think um one second on a hot stove feels like an hour yes and one hour doing something you love doesn't feel long enough so i mean when you're up in the middle of the night, it can feel like forever, and sometimes it's not quite as forever as you yeah. think. Okay, so so the five stages of sleep, and then the other thing that's important to know is there's that there's um, and this is really more when we get into sleep hygiene, but that there's uh, body temperature really affects sleep, mm-hmm. and that there's a circadian rhythm day rhythm really in terms of temperature. So, for example, when people wake up in the morning. Um, their body temperature is lower and rises throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And it rises with things like sunlight coming in. That triggers our body for our temperature to go up. It rises with physical activity. It goes up. And when our body temperature is up, we're more alert and more active and Mm -hmm. more awake. That's the wakefulness cycle. Mm -hmm. And then as the day proceeds, there's actually a dip in the afternoon, which Uh is really like nap time. Yes. Which is... yes. We nap time is actually a natural thing that we yeah. really would help us to be doing more of. Um, so there's you know there's a dip in the afternoon, and then it goes back up. The body temperature goes up, and then it starts to go down, which helps us go to sleep. Uh-huh. And um, so that's just important to know, and it helps when we talk about sleep hygiene things that you need to be doing to try to get that circadian rhythm, a healthy rhythm in terms of your body temperature to help you sleep better. I should say, I should let people know if you're just tuning in now, you're listening to Dream Talk Radio. I'm Ann Hill, your host, and I am interviewing Jennifer Shannon. We're having a conversation about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and how that can help with insomnia in particular. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're on to the sleep education uh, portion of how people can be helped with their insomnia through cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing is that our sleep needs actually change as we age. So infants get around 18 hours of sleep right. a day. They're sleeping a lot. Ten-year-olds, maybe around 10 hours. Teens, eight hours. Adults in middle age is more like seven hours. Mm-hmm. On average, that's what people are getting. And then into our 70s, it's actually six and a half hours. And a lot of um, elderly people have insomnia, and the truth is they're actually, even under best circumstances, they their sleep needs seem to decrease as they age, yeah. and they just don't have as strong sleep cycles. Uh-huh. And to understand that that's part of a natural rhythm as opposed to right. panicking, like, oh, no, something's terribly wrong. Right. It's actually there is. Our sleep needs change as yes. we, as we yes. age. So, um, okay, so... There's um, the sleep stages and body temperature, how that affects sleep, and um, that our sleep requirements do change. Yeah. Um, and that's important to know because there's a, there really is an eight-hour myth, like everybody needs eight hours of right. sleep. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't need eight hours of sleep. So the average for the adult is maybe seven and a half hours of sleep a night, 20% of the population probably get six or fewer hours of mm-hmm. sleep a night. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so one of the things, you know, in terms of did you get enough sleep is to look at do you need an alarm to wake you up? Yes. And do you habitually sleep late on weekends? Like you, you're catching yes. up on sleep. Do you fall asleep during meetings or things that might be a little mm -hmm. bit boring? Do you mm -hmm. tend to just drift off? Uh-huh. That would, yeah, then you're probably not getting enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And you want to work on getting more sleep. Um, so I talked about, you know, sometimes we're often getting more sleep than we think. And that the effects of sleep loss, because we can really catastrophize that. Uh -huh. And if we catastrophize the effects of sleep loss, then we're going to have more difficulty sleeping. Right. And by that you mean just sort of spinning off into real negative thoughts about it, or? Yeah, I mean, things like, you know, that people think, they're, the, the idea I won't be able to function if I don't get uh -huh. enough sleep, that's uh -huh. just not true. Yeah. You can function. In fact, it's amazing how well we can function yeah. without sleep. Um, it's not ideal, but we do function. Mm -hmm. So it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. Nobody's ever died of insomnia. Well, they've died of accidents caused by that's sleep deprivation. Right, that's true. Yeah. That's true. If, if, if you're getting chronic sleep problems. Yeah. But, you know, if you have a bad night's sleep, people actually do pretty well. Like, if you're yeah. sleeping okay and you have a bad night's sleep, or even up to three nights bad night's sleep, you, you, it's that chronic right. sleep. And yeah. so that is true, mm -hmm. yeah. When, mm -hmm. And sedentary activities, driving can be a somewhat sedentary activity. Yeah, you that's drift right. off, and, and so that is off, a concern. So, yeah. Certainly, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's a lot, there is a lot of catastrophizing that goes on yeah. with, with sleep and that knowing that going back to that core sleep idea with the sleep stages that in five and a half hours, you're going to go through probably at least three sleep cycles mm -hmm. and get enough of your stage three, four deep sleep mm -hmm. to be able to function. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's not like not sleeping at all. And that's right. if you weren't sleeping at all. Yeah. You couldn't function very long on that. But yeah. people... Most insomniacs do not not sleep. They just don't have good sleep. Yeah, yeah. There's and yeah. So core sleep is very, very important. Yeah. And then um, yeah, I mean so so understanding that helps lead more to more positive sleep yes. thoughts. So things like, you know, we we talked about that. I some examples of I didn't sleep well last night. But I'm more likely to sleep well tonight due to the biological pressure uh -huh. to recover that sleep, uh -huh. which is true. Right. If you try not to make it up and just uh -huh. go the next night, often uh -huh. people sleep much better. Um, in most cases, the worst thing that will happen if I don't sleep well is that my mood will be impaired during the day. Mm -hmm. So that's more positive sleep thoughts right. that are going to help not get so stressed out about sleep. That's, and that, those sound like reasonable assumptions to make. Right. I mean, I'm doomed sounds a little bit drama queenish. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or I won't be able to function. Or I won't be able to, yeah. You know, it's yeah. more like I, I'll feel irritable, I won't feel as good. That's true. Right, right. Yeah, but, but you'll be able to, you know, you're going to be able to do your 10 o'clock mm -hmm. meeting. Mm -hmm. if, you're t if you're you know, a professor, you're going to be able to teach your class. Right. For me as a therapist, I'm going to be able to stay right. with my clients and yeah. be able to do yeah. you know, a good job. Yeah. So, um, okay, so you talked about let's get into the behavioral part right. so that's sort of the educational yeah. part and there's a big behavioral component um, to improving sleep mm -hmm. so sleep efficiency is really important but as it's more important than how many hours you slept actually mm -hmm. and what sleep efficiency means is it's the ratio of the time that you spend in bed mm -hmm. so from lights out to getting up right. the time you spend in bed 
to the time that you're sleeping. Uh -huh. So you can actually get, it's mathematical, and I'm not very mathematical, but here, <laughs> let me try this. <laughs> you basically have the time that you slept. So let's say you had lights out at 11 o'clock. Yeah. You didn't fall asleep till one in the morning, and you got up at seven. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, that's 11 to seven is eight hours, eight right? Hours, yeah. But you only got six. six. Okay, so there we go. So sleep efficiency, what you would do is you would take the time you slept, six hours, mm -hmm. divide it by the time you spent in bed, eight hours, and you're going to come up with a percentage of how well you, right. how much, how efficient you sleep, right. slept. So that would be like 75 percent. 75 percent, yeah. Yeah, and a good sleeper, their um, sleep efficiency rating is more like 90 percent. Oh. Okay. So they spend no more than 10 percent of the time that they're sleep, then they're in bed awake. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. good. And the average for a poor sleeper is 65 percent sleep efficiency. Uh -huh. So that's what. So 35% of the night they're awake. Right. That's not so good. Right. So what we're trying to do is not say how much they're sleeping, but we want to get their efficiency better. Uh -huh. So in order to do that, um, one of the things you'd said, you know, sleeping in on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we do. We try to make up for lost sleep. Mm -hmm. But then we're not getting that that natural sleep rhythm. It's It's... Insomniacs have a poor sleep rhythm cycle. We mm -hmm. want to get their sleep rhythm cycle stronger uh -huh. and healthier. And um, so actually, what the first thing we do is, is one of the first things is, is sleep scheduling, basically. So, uh -huh. okay, so let's say that 11 o'clock, so you're getting six hours of sleep. Yeah. If you're getting six hours of sleep, then you don't want to allow more than seven hours in bed. Uh-huh, because that would be six-sevenths of... The, the, that ratio, which would be way more closer to 90% exactly. than 65. And because then you're not spending as much time upset in bed because you're not right. sleeping, which is right. not going to help you associate bed with sleep. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we don't want you lying awake at night. So right. so basically, okay, so let's say that, say you had to get up at 7. Well, you have a couple choices. If you're going to say, I will only allow 7 hours of sleep, yeah. that means you either need to don't turn lights out until midnight uh -huh. and up at seven, or go to sleep at or turn lights out eleven but get up at six. Uh -huh. So you have to somewhere you you can do both. You can um, go to bed later and get up earlier, but you need to figure only seven hours in bed. So you actually have to manually adjust the amount of time you yes. spend in bed yes. to sort of force your body to relax at the sleep, essentially. Well, what it's doing, it's not necessarily forcing your body to relax, but what it is doing Which is... Which is counterintuitive. Yeah, exactly. You can't even... That's exactly right. That has never worked. I don't think yeah. anybody's mastered that one. I force myself to relax. Yes. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's right. So it's really more about you're trying to strengthen the sleep needs of your body. Yeah. And get a healthier wake cycle and a healthier sleep cycle. Mm -hmm. So... It's basically making your body thirsty for sleep. Uh-huh. You know? Right, that's a good way to it's so it. that so that the demand for sleep is gonna intensify. Uh-huh. And it will decrease the stress in the sense that you're not spending as much time stressing in bed. Yes. So that right. may be more relaxing. Um, but yeah, so the so you're actually and now this part is very hard for an insomniac to swallow mm -hmm. because it's so counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. If you're not sleeping enough, don't you need to be 
trying harder or sleeping more and we're saying lights no. out at seven yeah exactly <laughs> try to sleep in uh-huh. no we want th- so it's counterintuitive but yeah. there's a lot of reason for it so by restricting your sleep to closer to what you're actually getting mm-hmm. um you're going to strengthen that sleep the demand for mm-hmm. sleep and um and in addition to that okay if you're waking up you're you're up more. Okay, when you're up more, that allows more time for your body temperature to rise. Uh-huh. You're up more, you got more sunlight, uh-huh. got more activity. That's going to make the demand for sleep intensify. Uh-huh. So, and if you didn't get, you know, if you didn't get that much sleep, but you didn't allow to sleep in in the morning, you got up, even if you felt horrible, yeah. you're going to need to get up at that same time, mm-hmm. then be active, be out in the sun. Um, and don't go to sleep any earlier than your scheduled time, your demand, your body's going to be saying, must sleep, must uh-huh. sleep. So right. it helps strengthen that. Right. And then um, over, you know, really a short period of time that you're doing this, two weeks, yeah. you're, it's amazing how this works. Right. Your sleep efficiency does improve. You start right. falling asleep easier and waking up less. Right. What do you say to people who are doing ambient or some you know different kinds of sleep aids right. and with more or less success i mean there's a lot of side effects to that stuff how do you deal right. with that in conjunction with all of the uh, the behavioral stuff well basically people are coming in to see me because the ambient or the ativan mm-hmm. or the clonopin or what those are all benzodiazepines um um ambient and that is different slightly different drug but the reason they're coming in to see me is most people are, have tried a, a lot, yeah. and either it's not working consistently or they don't want to depend on drugs to sleep. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, the problem with drugs to sleep is that it doesn't help, it doesn't really get to the problem, which is somebody's gotten into a bad, bad sleep habits yeah. and negative sleep thoughts. Mm-hmm. So sleeping pills aren't going to really help that. Mm-hmm. You know, it can give confidence like, oh, I can take a sleeping pill and they don't stress as much. That's almost a placebo effect, though, right. at that point. That's interesting, isn't it? Though? Yeah. That's really true. Yeah, and it, I think they can be used for that. That's actually not a bad way uh-huh. to use it. Okay, right. in case. But I, if this is really for people who want to be able to do it, really get to the underlying um, things that are maintaining the sleep problem yeah. and be able to do it drug-free. Right. And you can generally do it drug-free. Right. And this is a drug-free treatment program. Now, so people, if they're on medication, of course, it's not a good idea if you've been on something, um, particularly a benzodiazepine, to just mm-hmm. stop it mm-hmm. if you've been taking it. So there's uh, a way, ways to decrease medication use. Mm-hmm. You can do the sleep program and be on medication, mm-hmm. but you're going to be wanting to decrease your medication uh-huh. so that you're improving your mm-hmm. behavioral patterns and, and making your body naturally get back into a good right. sleep pattern as opposed to through medication. We're talking with Jennifer Shannon on Dream Talk Radio today about insomnia and cognitive behavioral therapy, which you, I, let's just plug your website for sure. just a moment. Um, the Santa Rosa uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Center. It's it's the Santa Rosa Center for Center. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, yeah. Okay, and the, the website is? It's srcbt.org. That's where I got confused because there weren't two C's it's in it. It's true. It, but right. we didn't want too many letters. No, so. I agree. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> SRCBT.org. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so um, so it sounds like getting back to the whole idea of having a drug-free solution to the, the insomnia problem, it sounds like 
probably if people are doing the Ambien or the other types of drugs, um, they might want to work with you in conjunction with talking to their physician about, yes. okay, I would really like yes. to wean myself off of this, or this isn't quite working and I don't want to get into anything more intense. Right, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When, when somebody's on medication, it's really good to work closely with their yeah. with their um, physician. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of how to, uh, in a safe way, decrease medication yeah. use. Absolutely. And you know, I, I have to ask you this because it comes up so much in my practice, women going through menopause. Yes. And just the, how do you, do you have any solutions for that or any particular ways that you deal with just the, the, uh, um, I'm t thinking about like the vagaries of it. I mean, one day you just, you can't sleep or one week and then it's sort of this, this tri yeah. tripping the switch on and off. And it's or very hot, hard flashes, to, hot flashes, which are going to interfere with sleep. And it's very hard to regulate, and it goes on for years. Exactly. Sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have, you know, as far as menopause, good uh, solutions to that. Yeah. Although, what I would say is that working with improving uh, sleep behaviors and th sleep thoughts and understanding mm -hmm. more about sleep, yeah. you're less likely to to make the problem worse by fretting about it. So if mm -hmm. you're going through and you're getting hot flashes and things like that and thinking, oh my gosh, I, I can't sleep or I'm going to have that happen tonight or now it's mm -hmm. happening and I won't, those aren't going to help you. And so understanding how much sleep that you need and you'll still be able to function right. um, and not trying to fall into bad behavioral patterns like making up for sleep, mm -hmm. um, that's going to help get through yeah. that time. And also, I mean, another part of the the, of the program, this you know insomnia, the cognitive behavioral therapy, is a rela working with relaxation, uh -huh. and relaxation you know has been known to help with premenstrual syndrome, right. menopausal things, even hot flashes, mm -hmm. because when you're doing a relaxation, you know doing say a regular 20 minute relaxation yeah. a day, that that's going to help your body. I mean, it has powerful effect on our physiology. Yes. Relaxation does, just like stress does. Right. And just like hormonal fluctuations do. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good, you know, if you're doing 20 minutes of relaxation a day, then your body's going to be, uh, it's basically called the relaxation response. Mm -hmm. you're, you're plugging into that and your body's going to do better with hot flashes mm -hmm. and, and stress and, and that'll help right. with sleep. And it sounds like just engaging in the process of writing things down and mm -hmm. collecting data Absolutely. just makes you more aware of, oh right, I had this glass of red wine and then that triggered a hot flash and then, you know, this the, the snowball effect That's through true. the night. Right. You'd be able to catch that stuff maybe a little yeah. quicker. Understanding what you can control. Right. So, okay, we can't control our horm hormones or going through menopause or our hot flashes, right. but what can we control? Well, we can control how much time we spend in bed. We can work on the ways we're thinking about our sleep and thinking about what's happening to us and become more positive about that because that's going to decrease our stress mm -hmm. and help feel more relaxed and right. sleep better. And, yeah, there's other things, absolutely. I mean, you know, some other things in addition to re basically scheduling sleep or right. restricting sleep to get that sleep efficiency improved. Mm -hmm that um, some other things in terms of sleep hygiene things are that associating bed with sleep right. and sex and not um, 
with maybe talking on the phone or studying mm -hmm. or doing preparation for the next day's 10 o'clock meeting in bed, right. that you really use bed for just specific activities. Mm -hmm. And you can, I mean, television, you know, I think that can be a stimulating thing for some people, and if it is, it's not a good thing to do mm -hmm. in bed. Mm -hmm. Some people, they find it very relaxing, so you want to kind of limit your TV time. Right. That might be acceptable right. for some people. Um, making sure that you feel drowsy before you you know, go turn those lights out. Uh -huh. So even if it's midnight and you're not drowsy, don't turn the lights out. Uh -huh. You know, wait till you're drowsy. Read right. a little bit more. Uh -huh. Start feeling drowsy, then turn the lights out. Um, other things, I mean, <coughs> me. once people do uh, go to sleep, they might wake up. And if you wake up and you're awake for 20 minutes, you can just kind of maybe do some deep breathing mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But if you're awake for longer than that, it's best to don't keep spending time thinking you're going to fall back uh -huh. to sleep. You know, at that point, turn the light on and do some reading or get out of bed and right. maybe do so some So after, reading. what would you say would be I'd say after 30 minutes. 30 minutes, If you yeah. haven't fallen back asleep or uh -huh. you're not asleep in the first place, uh -huh. don't stay in bed because most uh -huh. people, when they stay in bed, they start getting tense. Right. Okay, I've got to fall asleep. Oh, my gosh, now it's 2 in the morning. <laughs> I, you know, I've been that kind of a thing, which is just going to uh, jack you up more. You show know? of hands, how many people live in Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. uh, who hasn't oh, had that who experience? Hasn't? Oh, geez, it's yeah. horrible. Um, I mean, exercise, uh -huh. you know, so say, again, hormonal things or stress right. or something's happened in your life. Exercise is going to help everything. Mm -hmm. And exercise, we know, does um, help with sleep. And it doesn't have to be, you know, two hours at the gym six days a week. It can be uh, taking the stairs, just be more physically active, yeah. taking yeah. the stairs, mowing the lawn, um, sweeping the porch, mm -hmm. washing your car. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be things that you need to get done anyway right. or something, and those are physical exercises. So people who are doing things physically, that's going to help with mm -hmm. sleep. Um, alcohol is, I mean, it's in terms of that... People often feel like, uh, you know, that nightcap idea right. It's going to help right. me sleep. It does help you fall asleep, but alcohol takes a period of time to metabolize, and right. then when it's metabolized, oftentimes you're kind of more awake. It can bring you, like you can wake up yeah. after a couple hours. Like, yeah, you fall asleep, but then you're awake and you have trouble falling back asleep. So with some of the things we can control are... Um, are <laughs> Continue. <laughs> okay. Our, 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 our alcohol consumption. And basically, you know, a good rule of thumb would be to, if you're going to have a drink, two hours before you go to bed and keep it to one drink, which yeah. is pr probably a good healthy thing to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Two hours before bed. That seems yeah. about right. So that could be at dinner, you know, a glass right. of wine or right. a drink. Um, but not using alcohol to try to sleep because that's actually going to backfire. Mm -hmm. And then caffeine... You know, it's okay to drink caffeine. You don't want to drink probably more than a couple cups of coffee or, you know, tea. And you want to do it in the beginning part of the day as opposed yeah. to the later part of the yeah. day. And the thing is, was people have that natural dip. You know, your body temperature goes down in the afternoon. Right. So you're going to feel tired whether you got eight hours of sleep or not. But if you didn't get that much sleep and you're having problems with insomnia, for one thing, we'll interpret that as, oh, I didn't sleep. That's why I'm so tired. We all get tired in the afternoon yes. generally. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes we try to make it through our days by drinking caffeine at that point. Well, that's, again, going to backfire mm -hmm. because if you're drinking caffeine late in the day, that can affect your sleep that mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. So those would be things that you can control right. that will help you get into a healthier sleep pattern. Yeah. 
I, you know, I, I, I have been, I have done um, dream workshops at uh, medical marijuana clinics, uh-huh. and the sort of the same thing with 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 medical marijuana with uh-huh. insomnia. They they actually have to use a different something a little bit different or smoke earlier in the evening. It's particularly uh-huh. if they want to remember their dreams, uh-huh. because the THC. Well, there's just a lot of inhibitors to dreaming, and so it's been really yeah. interesting learning more about the different. Because I never would have thought about that, but when I started doing um, workshops in this clinic, I I realized that not only were people worried about that, but they had also other people had figured out how to sort of get past that. Well, if I do edible this or that mm-hmm. instead of actually you know so it makes right. it's kind of the same along the same lines of the caffeine or yeah the what substances are going to affect your sleep exactly. and some that might make you feel more drowsy and put you to sleep but are going to affect your because you know the cycles of sleep if you've got a substance in there yeah. that's going to affect how when the substance is metabolized yeah. how that's going to affect those sleep cycles right 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 yeah. and certainly the REM sleep so I guess the THC Effects yeah. it does something with the REM sleep. Yeah, I don't exactly know the you know the the chemical thing that's going right. on, but it seems to be a pretty widespread problem. And then of course they start worrying because they used to dream and they don't anymore. Mm-hmm. So what's you know mm-hmm. again that get that worrying? Uh, yes. What's wrong? What's wrong? Worrying? Not, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah. can really confound the problem. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, let's see, you were talking about something, I can't, I didn't, one thing I noticed on your, on your website that I, I, it struck me is that it, what you just, what you do is you describe it as a collaborative approach, Mm -hmm. sort of like a coach and an athlete. Mm -hmm. I kind of, I like that idea because it's sort of, it's more like reaching top efficiency or, or working, you know, to the maximum of our potential in a certain way rather than fixing something that's broken or right. you know any other of those kinds of metaphors. Yeah, I mean a lot of therapy is collaborative. Probably yeah. most people would say therapy is collaborative. In cognitive behavioral therapy it's really essential. Um, in first of all, it's not so much like you're coming in and I'm going to do it for you. you know, yeah. I'm not the expert that can do it for you. Right. It's really tell me what's going on with you and what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then so I'm going to really allow the client to tell me what the problems are and what their goals are. Right. Then I can, as a coach, as a therapist, say, okay, well, if that's what's going, those are the problems and these are the goals, these are some ideas that we can come up with that can be useful for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, with sleep, you know, with the sleep program, it's a labor-intensive program. People yeah. need to be willing to monitor their sleep. They need to be willing to um, actually start restricting or scheduling sleep yeah. and understanding why they would be doing that. The right. collaboration isn't, I'm going to tell you you need to do this. It's, Here's why it mm-hmm. would work. Mm-hmm. Um, and are they willing to, to, to take that on? And, right. and, and so, you know, like with the coach athlete, a coach, no matter how great that coach is, mm-hmm. unless the athlete goes through the drills and practices things, right. they're not going to get their skills as an athlete to improve. The same thing with therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really the same thing. I mean, we know how hard change is. Yes. 
<laughs> we, we are, we're almost allergic to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, we have some natural resistances built up right. to it, certainly. That's right. Yeah. Natural resistances. That's yeah. a much better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And, and for good reason. I mean, a lot of the things that we do, we do it for a reason. I mean, even yes. sleeping in on Saturday morning, I understand that you're trying to make up for sleep because you're not getting enough. Right. So why doesn't that work? So the reason that doesn't work, if you sleep in on the weekends, yeah. okay, let's say Saturday night, you sleep in Sunday, you slept mm -hmm. in Saturday, so you're getting up later in the day, right? Mm -hmm. So say you get up at 9 or 10 in mm -hmm. the morning. That's going to allow less time for your body temperature to start to rise and fall by the time it's you, you want to go to sleep ah. Sunday night to get ready for work. So um, so you're, you're messing with your your sleep rhythm, you know, you're, you're gonna, if your body temperature starts rising, say, an hour upon awakening, so your body temperature starts raising at 11, it's gonna then go down much later. So uh -huh. you wanna get to sleep at 11, but now getting sleeping in, it's not gonna start really going down until later in the evening. So when mm -hmm. you try to fall asleep at your regular time, it's gonna be more difficult mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you might start worrying about that. And so it doesn't right. support, Really important when you're in a sleep program is that on the weekends, every day for the sleep program, that first two weeks, you uh -huh. get up at your scheduled time. Uh-huh. You know, you right. just force yourself up. And you know, the other problem people have is, you know, the other thing they do is most common things is try to sleep in the morning or go to sleep earlier in the night. Yeah. Again, you're going to sleep earlier in the night. Your body temperature hasn't had time to drop. Uh -huh. So you're fighting your natural rhythm. Right. And when you do start restricting sleep, people actually have a hard time staying awake sometimes. Yes. And they say, I have to fall asleep. I say, get out of bed and walk around. Do not fall asleep until it's your scheduled time. Wow. That yeah, it's that really, intense. Well, that's an opportunity for more exercise. It could be. Although, actually, with exercise, here's another thing. Yeah. You don't really want to do exercise within two hours of oh, bedtime. That's true. Yes. Because when you exercise, your body temperature goes up. Right. And we, for sleep, your body temperature needs to come down. Right. So it sounds like, so that sounds like a pretty challenging thing to go, it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, spending a certain amount of time going against our, our the tendencies that, you know, our habitual tendencies. Exactly. I won't say natural, but habitual. Yes. Because we've built up a habit of inefficient sleep. Right. So how long do it does that sort of a behavioral adjustment uh, part of the program. How long does that generally take? Does well, it... if people do it, it doesn't take long at all. Oh, okay. But then, you know, oftentimes people won't do it. <laughs> uh. You know, it's like they'll say, oh, I just couldn't, I couldn't get up. And then we'll go back to, okay, if you don't get up, here's what will happen. How, and let's yeah. take the data. What did happen when right. they slept in? How hard or easy was it to fall asleep the next, the next night? night? Because they're collecting data. They can see, like, when they do get up, at the same time, even though they're not allowing as much time in bed, they'll start noticing their sleep efficiencies going up. Mm -hmm. They're falling asleep easier, mm -hmm. and they're staying asleep mm -hmm. better. Now that's very rewarding. Yeah. So um, it is a demanding program. I'd say all cognitive behavioral therapy is demanding. Mm -hmm. it, it's in order to meet the goals that you have, you gotta do a lot of work and right. risk change. Right. That there's a risk because you don't know it's gonna work. Yeah. But you have to think, what you have been doing isn't working, right. so let's try something else. And here's why. And, and then look, if you, do, if you slept in, what was your sleep like? And when you can really 
um, as a client examine those results, it starts mm -hmm. going, yeah, it's true. Those old mm -hmm. ways that I'm trying to help myself mm -hmm. are not working. It's actually making mm -hmm. it worse. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a particular age range of people that normally come to see you? I mean, I mean, I've, seen, I've talked with, with um, doctors at colleges, and there's a lot of insomnia in college, but what, what mm -hmm. ages do you generally see? Well, in my practice, I see um, children and adults, children, oh, okay. teens, and adults. Mm -hmm. And I would say in terms of children, yeah. I, the sleep, when the, if their parents are you know, calling me up because their child's not sleeping well, it's usually later elementary school, so maybe 10, 11, uh -huh. 12, uh -huh. um, problem that there's, they're having problems. And a very similar to what, you know, this is an adult program I'm talking about, but you can adapt it with kids. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And that can be hard because you actually do some sleep restriction with them right, too. Right. Now, there's a lot of other reasons they might not be sleeping that they are afraid of being away from the parent or mm -hmm. they're scared of, you know, kidnappers coming in. And so, right. you know, with positive sleep thoughts, we work, right. work with thoughts. We try to identify mm -hmm. what is their scared thought right. and help them see, you know, become more realistic in their yes. thinking so that they right. can think in a way that's going to be help more relaxing right. for them. Right. Um, and adults, you know, I work with a practice where I don't just do insomnia, I do anxiety uh -huh. disorders. Right. And if I just did insomnia, I'd probably be able to answer that question better. But uh -huh. I would say, yeah, I don't, I don't notice one peak of age, although we uh -huh. do know that the older adults are going to be right. sleeping less. And if they right. get worried and fret about that, it can become right. a bigger problem. Right. Well, I think it's so great that just that you have this approach and it's here, it's local, uh, sounds like it's backed up by a lot of, by a lot of success, you know, a lot of people meeting their goals and right. seems to, um, seems to have a lot of effectiveness. Yeah, it's, it's really gratifying, actually. Yeah. I mean, for myself, like I said, the beginning of, of the show that I had insomnia for about 15 years after my yeah. first son was born. Right. Part of why I know, you know, it was it's nice to have suffered that way, and be able to do something where I'm, yes. I'm a much more confident sleeper. My sleep has improved. Oh, that's great. Huge. Not to say I think some people just like when I go someplace, take a trip. Uh -huh. I don't sleep good the first yeah. couple nights. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I still would consider myself a fragile sleeper, mm -hmm. but I feel like I've, I'm not. It's not a problem for me anymore, right, where I'm right. dreading and fretting, which I certainly was doing for a long time. Yes. So it's it's very, um, for people who are suffering, it gives hope and it helps them feel in control again, because mm -hmm. you feel really out of control when you're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And as a therapist, it's extremely gratifying to be able to yeah. help people in a concrete way with something they may have been suffering with for years. Well, you know, sleep is such an interesting part of uh, the human life, because we sort of take it for granted. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of those natural, and, but and but also sort of mysterious processes. I mean, why do we need yeah. to sleep? And so, I mean, what I hear from listening to you is that it's sort of taking um, the mythologizing, taking some of the abstract thinking out of it and kind of looking it in a, um, sort of in the daylight, if you will, and yeah. saying, okay, well, this is what, you know, I don't know it really why we have to sleep, but right. I need the... I know that I need to sleep, right. and I'm not sleeping enough. So here's the ways I can I can work with that. It just seems like it right. must take uh, it takes it demystifies it. That's the word. I was yeah, I think for. it does help demystify it. Um, and and you know part of you know what I found really fascinating. I I think I didn't know that your temperature changes that much throughout the day. Yeah. It's not a ton. It's you know by maybe one degree, but that yeah. degree makes a difference. Yeah. 
And you know, going back to when we worked, when we lived in more um, what was it, agrarian, you know, right. where we were out in the fields and working and getting sun and um, physical activity. Insomnia, I mean, they didn't take data maybe on it, mm. but we know it's increasing. Yeah. And people are indoors more and uh -huh. they're in front of their computer screens right. or media, you know. So, kind of getting back to physically supporting our bodies mm -hmm. to sleep well, to have mm -hmm. it. And that's going to help us be healthier overall. Overall, yeah. And pass those habits down to our kids, which is another. That's always, really yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Well, Jennifer Shan, thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, you're listening to Dream Talk Radio. We've been talking with Jennifer Shannon, who is a therapist at the Santa Rosa Center for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and their website is srcbt.org. And uh, any parting thoughts, any closing things you'd like people to know about just working with insomnia? I think, um, gosh, closing thoughts, I think really that there's you know, there's really hope out there. There's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a treatable, very treatable mm -hmm. problem. And um, don't despair. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sort of yeah. laying that out, giving people information. Yeah, it's appreciate really that. been a pleasure. Great. Thank you. That ends this week's Dream Talk radio show podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Ann Hill, and I'll see you again next week.